we welcome you to Church at the Bridge. Today I have the privilege to share the Word of God with you. We've been on a series these last couple of weeks entitled, This Is What We Do. And basically the premise behind it is that there are just things that we know in life to do. Uh, I can guarantee you none of you are saying, I wonder if I should eat today. You just know to do that. You're going to eat. Some of you already have it planned out right now when you get out of here, where you're going to eat. Point is this, that in the same way, there are things that we should know to do as believers. But that comes as a result of knowledge from the Word of God. And today, I want to talk to you about one of those things that we should know to do. And it's that we get back up. This is what we do, ladies and gentlemen. We get back up. There's nothing more inspiring than a story like the one we just saw uh, of a person who uh, faces extreme challenges, is written off by others, and yet somehow they find a way, they, they dig deep within, and they tap into a resiliency that pushes them beyond what's natural and what seemingly is possible. Now here's the thing, as inspiring as, and as encouraging as that story is, believe it or not, there's an even more inspiring story, and that's your story. Because whether you know it or not, you as a child of God have the utmost reason to always get back up. Let me tell you what I'm talking about here. If there's one thing that reveals the great extent of God's heart and his will for all humanity, it can be summarized with one word. It's the word redemption. I want to tell you what that word means. According to Webster's, and I, I, I honestly believe this guy knows the word. Because here's his definition of the word redemption. It, it, his definition is to buy back, to get or win back, to free from what distresses or harms, to free captivity by payment of ransom, to extricate from, from or help to overcome something detrimental, to release from blame or debt, to free from the consequence of sin. Simply put, it's taking that which is fallen broken and undesirable and restoring it to a place where it was originally intended to always be. It's taking something that's broken and making it whole, something that's undesirable and creating it anew to such an extent that it is so desirable, that it has so much worth and so much value. And now Christians get excited about that, that message. Yes, that's me. But believe it or not, According to scripture, that's what God intends for all mankind. Redemption has been extended for the entire world. If you look at the King James, uh, and you look at the New Testament in particular, uh, the King James uh, Bible Dictionary gives us the definition of the word redemption as purchasing something back that has been lost by way of ransom. But in the New Testament, it connotes so much more than that. It gives us the implication that it's not only a cancellation of debt, but that it's an overpayment. It goes far beyond what the value or what the price is. And so for us, there's an, a price that's unbelievably uh, great that has been paid. And why is that important to understand in relation to getting back up? Because when you know what you're worth and you know the reason you know what God has done. You have every reason to get back up. If we could just be honest with ourselves, we all have been at some point in our life 
where we maybe have tripped up, where we've fallen down, or maybe we begin to feel or buy into that little voice that says, you can't, you won't, you're not good enough, uh, you don't have enough experience, you don't have enough education, you don't know enough of the Bible. You know what I saw yesterday? I saw a bunch of people that at, were at varying levels of the Word of God that understood this. We're called to love God, and we're called to love people. And guess what? They did it well. They did it extremely well. And so I say that simply for this purpose, because sometimes we can buy into this mindset that says, I'm not Christian enough. I haven't arrived. Well, guess what? None of us have, but we've all left. We've all taken steps. We're all in that process, in that journey. And so we have every reason to get back up. Let me show you from the book of Psalms, chapter 107, uh, verses 1 through 7. Psalm chapter 107, verses 1 through 7. The psalmist says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way that they may go to a city for a dwelling place. Listen, this is God's will. And this is important for us to get because God paid so great a price, not so that we can remain in a fallen state, in a mindset that says, I can't. No, whether you know it or not, you've got a fight in you. You've got a win in you. As a matter of fact, the fight is fixed. Can you imagine walking into a fight knowing that you've already won? That when you walk in, it's already, you already won it. How would you approach it? Would you approach it sweating? Would you approach it worried? Would you approach it with doubt that you could win? No, you'd step in there and you'd go, I already won. So you might as just lay down, ring the bell, because I've already won this match. Well, the truth is this, that because of what God has done, here's what's in your DNA, in your divine nature of the Almighty that's in you. A win. All you can do is win, 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 no matter what. Some of you know what I'm talking about. That's an old song. But anyway, listen. And so we have a, a there's something within us that has a fight, that knows to get back up. So today's big idea is simply this. Get back up. Get back up. And maybe you might not be down right now. Well, guess what? There may come a time where you'll face something and you'll believe, how can I face this? How can I make it? How can I do this? How's this going to work out for me? Look back to God's word and remember that he calls you. He gives us example that because of what he's done, we have every reason to get back up. Listen closely. What God has done, the redemption that he's extended to all mankind is no respecter of men. What do you mean by that, Pastor Jose? Here's what I mean. That you having the ability to get back up has nothing to do 
with your actions. It has nothing to do with the merit that you bring to it. It has nothing to do with how much church you go to. It has nothing to do with how much Bible you read. It has nothing to do with how Christian you act. It has nothing to do with the people that you congregate amongst. It has everything to do with what God has created you to be. And because of his redemption, he's placed such a great value in you that you and I should know, and, or if not, we should at least accept at this point that we can only get back up. Christ didn't die for a fallen people. He raised his people. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How, how's that for perspective in life? How's that for perspective? That when you find yourself feeling like you're down and out, that you remember and you recall, but wait, while this world might say, while people might seemingly believe that I'm down, while it may look this way, I'm always on top. Doesn't the Bible says that you are the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath? I'm, well, that's a good word, Pastor Jose. Praise God for that. I believe that. Thank you for those three amens. <laughs> Listen, this is God's word to you, to me, to us. But we've got to remember that. We've got to look to the word of God. It, maybe you're saying, I'm tired, man. Life is hard. Maybe you've bought into this lie that says, well, you know, it's going to happen again. Let me remind you from God's word what it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31 it says have you not known have you not heard the everlasting God the Lord the creator of the ends of the earth never faints nor is weary now check this out how's this take this on for size that's the God that lives in you that's the battery that charges you that's the power that's at work in you and so if he never gets weary and he never gets faint. While we may grow weary at times, we've got to go back to our very foundation and our very core and we've got to say, I got to get back up because this is the very nature that is now mine in Christ. I've got to fight. I've got to win because this is what God has destined me for. Don't buy into this lie, this false religion that says, Oh, I'm just this poor old pauper waiting till I get to heaven. That's not biblical, ladies and gentlemen. That's not what we were created to be. If you're the light of the world, then guess what? You should expect to shine always. Always. And so he says, have you not known? Have you not heard? In other words, don't you get it by now? Don't you understand the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the, of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Guess what? You ever felt weak? You qualify for God's strength. Hallelujah. You ever felt down? You qualify to get back up. Verse 30 goes on to say, even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You might be tired, but you're not out. You may feel weak, but you're not without strength. As a matter of fact, Scripture says this, that God chooses the base things, the simple things, to confound the wise. That in weakness, he reveals his strength. So you might feel weak, but you're not without strength. You need to tap into the reserve, get your generator going, get back in your word, and pull strength from that. Because where the world says you can't, I'm here to tell you, and God's word declares, you can. You will, and you always will end up at the forefront. I'm reminded of a, I read a story recently about a gentleman by the name of Peter Cropper. In the 80s, uh, this gentleman was a world-renowned violinist. And so one of his, uh, one of the great ambitions, as I understand it, of any violinist is to play a particular violin that's called a Stradivarius. It's meticulously handcrafted by Antonio Stradivari. Um, and these are very rare violins, violins because they produce an unrivaled sound. And so you could only imagine the excitement of Peter Cropper when he was uh, invited in 1981 to London's Royal Academy of Music and he was offered to play a 258-year-old Stradivarius for a series of concerts. The only problem is that the unimaginable happened on the first day of the concert. As he entered onto the stage and he walked on, he tripped and he landed on top of the violin and snapped the neck of that violin in half. You could only imagine the horror that he felt at that moment. A priceless masterpiece that had been entrusted to him was destroyed. Cropper, they say, was inconsolable. He took the violin to a master craftsman in the vain hope, in the small hope, that he might be able to repair it. And repair it, he did. Not only did he repair it, but so perfect was the repair that the break was undetectable. And what's most important till this very day is that the sound was exquisite. The academy was so gracious and allowed him to continue using the Stradivarius. And so night after night, as Peter drew his bow across those strings, he was reminded of the fact that what was once thought irreparably damaged had been fully restored by the hand of a master craftsman. Hey, check this out. What could your life look like in the moments of challenges if you remembered the God that redeemed you and restored you and has instilled in you the ability to get back up. You know, my wife said something interesting um, that stuck out to me, and I caught on to it uh, second service uh, at the end. She was saying, I'm God's favorite. And, and some of you might hear that and go, how could she say that? Do you know that each and every one of us is God's favorite? Do you know why? Because the Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know what the Bible's saying there? It's saying that he's made you meticulously, uniquely. You are one of a kind. I don't care if you've got a twin. You could have triplets and you could all look alike. There is only one you in God's eyes. 
And we should begin to see ourselves that way and understand that we've been fashioned by a master craftsman and the worth that you possess gives you every reason to get back up because he created you to stand, not to fall, not to stay down. The Bible says in in Ephesians chapter 6 that having done all to stand, here's what it says in the Greek, stand more. Stand more. Keep standing. Keep fighting. Don't give up. Don't back down. Don't let down. Get back up. Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24 puts it this way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Check this out. Look, look at what the Bible's saying here. It's saying that God delights in the way of a man. That God takes joy in your way. You, child of God, God looks at the path that he's determined for you, that he's predestinated you for, the good works that he's created you unto, and he takes pleasure in looking at what he's done in you manifest. In verse 24, it goes on to say this, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. You know what the Bible's saying there? That even when you fall, you're not cast. In other words, you're not really down. But watch why. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. So get this picture here. Here's God holding you up. How dare we believe that we're down and out? Even when it looks like you're down, you're in an elevated place in Christ. How can we back down? There's one that's greater in you. Psalm, uh, Proverbs 24, verse 16 in the New Living Translation says this, The godly may trip seven times, but they will get back up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Now, I'm dating myself here, and I realize that I'm younger than some of you, but do you remember back in the, in the, in the days, in the 70s, 80s? I don't know that they have them till this day, but they used to have those punching bags with that stupid-looking clown on it. Right? I think we have a picture of them. Um, you could put that up, please. The one that you would punch, and it would bounce back up, right? Well, when I was a kid, wrestling was starting to come up. It was starting to be a, a big thing. So you had like Jimmy Superfly, Snooker, and Andre the Giant, and all these people. And so I, this thing used to frustrate me because we had one of these in my house. And so I was a kid, and I would punch it, and it would come back up. And I would slap it, and it would bounce back up. Well, then I just started doing all types of stuff to it. I would drop kick it, and it would get back up. I would clothesline it. And it would get back up. I think I even suplexed it a couple of times. And it would get back up. It always bounced back. And it baffled me as a kid because, for crying out loud, it was full of air and it was plastic. And so I couldn't understand how is it that this thing bounces back up every time. And as I grew older, I realized what it was. It was weighted on the bottom by sand. It had something that no matter when you pushed it down, because it was established and weighted on the bottom, it would always bounce back up. 
Hey, listen, maybe you haven't taken the time to really consider this. But the reason why you can, you should, and you do get back up is because there is a greater one that lives in you than he that is in the world. There is one that has established you in his paths. And so we must remember every single time. Granted, things can get hard in life. Get back up. Can I share a thought with you? Some people will waste their years waiting for God to lift them up. You are, we, we bear the responsibility to get back up. God has done his part. And so we must bounce back. Don't ever let him see you sweat. You must trust what the word of God says. You've been created in Christ Jesus anew. And it's our responsibility because we know the truth to get back up. Get back up. I'm going to say that again. Get back up. And so for the few moments that I have left here, I want to give you some surface level things because this is an exhaustive topic and I don't have time to go into this deep exposition of the word. But I want to give you three things to remember in light of how to get back up. The first one that I want to share with you is simply this. Don't look at the temporary problem. Look at the long-term reward. Let's look to God's word and see what I'm talking about here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 says this. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Here's what Paul's saying. I know some of us, uh, uh, you, you, you might say this to yourself at some point. You might say, well, you know, I'm getting older now. Well, you know... Age is nothing but a mentality. I'll give you proof. Look right there in that corner. My 90-year-old uh, wife's grandmother, she's got more bounce in her step than most people. She hears music, and she's like this. And she's all over. And I'm like, Grandma, like, relax. She's like, I can't help it. I hear the music, and I got to dance. Right there, there she goes. Oh, God, we done started something. <laughs> but look at what Paul's saying here. He says, though our outer man is dying away, he says, every day we're renewed day by day from within. And here's the thing, believer. Here's the thing, Christian, that you must know, that we must all accept and understand, that we don't live from the outside in. We live from the inside out. And so there is something that God has done in you, in me, in us, that calls us to look beyond what we see and recognize I'm renewed day by day. And so watch what Paul says. This is why we don't give up. We never give up. In verse 17, he goes on to say, for our present troubles are quite small. This is the guy that was beaten and left for dead, that received stripes on his body numerous times, that was shipwrecked, that was betrayed, that was cast aside, that was looked upon as, a, as an outcast amongst believers at one point when he first started his ministry. And Paul says this, these troubles are small and they won't last very long but they will produce for us an immeasurably greater glory that will last forever. 
Paul's focus wasn't on the temporary problems. Paul's focus was on the greater reward. In verse 18, he says, so, so we don't look at the trouble we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come last forever. So often we fall and we look at the ground instead of looking up. See, where we look is where we'll go. And so look up. Look at the long-term rewards and get back up. In 2 Chronicles chapter 15, uh, we're going to be looking at verse 7. It's, it's referring to a man by the name of, uh, his name was Asa. He was a king. And at this time, the people of Israel, the kingdom of Israel was split in two. So there was the kingdom of Israel, and then there was the kingdom of Judah. And it just so happens at this time that the Benjamites, the tribe of Benjamin, had joined themselves to the people of Judah. And so Asa was the king. The problem is that Judah and Benjamin were in a fallen state. They had gotten to a place where they, would, they had built up for themselves altars to foreign gods. They had built them in high places. They worshipped foreign uh, beings. And, and, and what they did was they built wooden images of these gods throughout the land. To make matters worse, Asa's mother, the queen mother, had, uh, she worshipped a god uh, called the god Asherah. And so she had an altar uh, built up. So here's what would happen. People would walk by and they would see these altars. And th what they would say is, well, the queen mother worships Asherah. Why shouldn't we? And so Asa goes to the Lord. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 15, 7, that God says to him, but you be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And so Asa, knowing what God's will was and knowing God, here's what he does. He goes against his mother. He goes against the people of Judah. He goes against the Benjamites. In other words, he goes against everything that is normal in that day and age. And Asa says, you're in a fallen state. Tear down all these sacred pillars that you've built. Tear down all these high places and we're going to exalt the name of God. The thing about it is this, that when Asa decided that it was time for the people of Israel to rise, to get back up, it wasn't, it wasn't widely accepted initially. But what ended up happening was because of his example and because of his determination to get back up and to get people focused back upon the Lord, all the people of Judah, all the people of Benjamin turned back to the Lord. See, the thing about it is this. When you get back up, it doesn't just affect you. It affects those around you. Around you. Getting back up when the circumstances around you dictate that staying down is, is better isn't easy. But we have to remember that getting back up always holds a better promise. There's always something more. Hey, instead of praising your hardships, praise God. I want you to think about this. Paul and Silas are in an area called Philippi. And what ends up happening is that every day they would go to the temple to pray with the fellow believers. 
And so as they would walk into the temple, the Bible says that there's a woman who was demon-possessed with a spirit of divination who would cry out behind them, mocking in, 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 in a sort of way, saying, these men are servants of the Most High God. They proclaim to you the Son of God. And so this would happen day in and day out. And the Bible says that one day, Paul grew tired of it. And he turns around and he casts out the demon. And the Bible says that the, the, the prophet to her, slave, to her slave masters was gone. And so them seeing that they could no longer make money off of the spirit of divination that was at work in her, they went and grabbed Paul and Silas and they dragged them to the marketplace. They made accusations and the Bible says that they were beat. Let's see what I'm talking about here when I talk about instead of praising our hardships, let's, uh, we should praise God. Verse 20 through 29 in Acts 16 says this, And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded that they be beaten with rods. And when they had, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stock. So I want you to get a visual of this. You've just been beaten for doing something that's right in the eyes of God, for delivering a person who was demonically oppressed, for doing something good. So you've been beaten, you've been shamed amongst all the people around you and your peers, and now you're sitting in jail. How many of you are going to be sitting in a jail talking about, praise God? I didn't think so. And yet, the Bible says that Paul and Silas were different. While some people would complain about the unfairness of the situation that they've just undergone. While some people would have every reason in their own mind to be down, to be out, to feel unjustly treated. Watch what Paul and Silas do. Verse 25 says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. So what are all these guys who are in there with them thinking? Wait, you've got all those bruises on your back, on your legs, on your head. You've got stitches. You've got staples on the side of your face. You've got all this going on. And you're praising God. But watch what happens. Verse 26. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew a sword and he was about to kill himself. But, call, but Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm. For we are all here. And then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. 
if you read the rest of the story, what you'll find is that this Roman soldier falls at the feet of Paul and he says, what should I do? What should I do here? In other words, Paul and Silas, in the midst of their problem, chose to praise God instead of praising their situation. How many times haven't we found ourselves or can we find ourselves in a place where we can just complain? Where we can get into our own funk, into our own rut, and what we do is we complain, complain, and complain. And we advertise it. We put it on Facebook. We tweet it, right? We talk about it on the phone. We talk about it on the way to work. We replay it in our minds over and over and over. Do you realize that what you're doing is exalting your hardship as opposed to exalting God? And so if you read the rest of the story, what we find is this, that Paul and Silas go to this Roman soldier's house. And the Bible says that they declare to all his household the gospel. And guess what happens? They receive Christ as their Lord. Listen closely. When you praise God as opposed to your hardships, not only does it loose you from the weight of your problems, it looses others around them. And it brings a good message unto them. It's an example of God's goodness. The last point I want to leave you, the last two points that I want to leave you here with, uh, one of them is your setback is an opportunity to reveal a greater one, someone greater. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through 10 says this, For it is the God, for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. Paul here refers to the life-changing power and impact that Christ had in his life, and he equates it to a light in darkness. He goes on to say that this light, this Christ that we now have in us, we have in us like earthen, like a treasure in earthen vessels. When he talks about earthen vessels, he's referring to clay jars. These were jars that easily cracked and easily were broken. But watch what Paul's saying, that we have so great a treasure in us that even when there's a crack, guess what you see? The great treasure that's in it. Paul says we're perplexed, but we're not crushed. We're pressed on every side, and yet we still stand because of the greater one within us. When you're pressed on every side, instead of feeling like you can't make it, remember that you will make it because what's coming out of you is greater than what's coming against you. And the last point that I want to leave you here with this morning is simply this. Look around you. 
I want you to do something for me. Look around this room. Look to your left. Look to your right. Look behind you. Look in front of you. Now listen to what the Word of God says. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls because he has no one to help him get back up. Listen closely, ladies and gentlemen. Many times it's possible for us to adopt a mentality that says, me, my four, and no more. It's just me. The Bible talks about a guy named Elijah who complained to God and he said, oh God, all the prophets are dead and it's just me. I'm all alone. And God, in a very loving way, says to him, shut up, Elijah. There's 7,000 more besides you that still bow the knee and worship me. In other words, what God was saying to him was, you're not alone. You're just not realizing who I've placed amongst you. And sometimes we can find ourselves in difficult situations, believing that we're down and out. And we forget to look around us and realize that God's design, the way God intended it for you and me, for all of us, and for this world, is that we not be alone. There's a reason why we're called the body of Christ. Last time I checked, if my, my shoulder's hurting, guess what? These legs are reacting to it because I'm going somewhere with this shoulder. If I stub this toe, these hands are grabbing that toe and bringing some comfort to it. Are you getting a picture of what I'm saying here? We're better together than we are apart. We're better together than we are when we choose to seek our own resources, our own ideas, or when we simply say, I'm just going to dwell on this island by myself. The thing is, you're never alone. Not only do you have God, but you have a body that surrounds you, that's there to aid you, to help you, so that when you fall, what does Ecclesiastes 10 say? For, or 4 verse 10 say? So that when we fall, we have someone that helps us get back up. So how do we apply this to our lives? Where do we go from here with this? According to scripture, what we see is this. That we weren't created to crawl. No. We were created to stand. We were created to walk the walk of faith. And maybe, just maybe, just maybe at times... You might feel like, I can't. You know what the word says? Don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due time, you shall receive a great reward. Don't give up. Don't back down. Get back up. I guarantee you, for some of you this week, you'll go to work, and someone is just going to push every last button in an attempt to push you over the edge. Hey, don't forget who you are. Get back up. You might find yourself feeling challenged in life. Get back up. You, your emotions might tell you otherwise. You might, all you might want to do is just cry. Get back up. You were created to stand. Fight. Get going. Get moving. Because there's only one direction that you and I were created for. Upward.